Good morning, Hope Church. How we doing? Good, good, good. Yeah, um, so obviously my mic is working. It's a good thing, right? But, uh, you know, the more I thought about it this week, if you guys weren't with us last week, we had a little microphone issue and it worked for a little while and then it quit working. But um, today we seem to have that rectified. But, you know, the more I thought about it over the week, the more I began to wonder if Linda Oppenheist didn't have something to do with this. Yeah. Remember when she got going? Is your mic working? Is your mic working? Yeah. Uh-huh. Sabotage, I think. Yeah, she's laughing out there. We got an eye on you. As a matter of fact, matter of fact I've contacted the uh, state officials. They will be holding hearings and uh, launching a full investigation to see what is behind this conspiracy to sabotage my microphone and to find out, of course, if Linda is responsible for all of this. What can I say? Well, listen, I'm glad that you guys are all doing well. I'm doing well. And I think that many of you know why. It's springtime. It's springtime, which means that summer, baby, it's coming. It's just around the corner, and I love warm weather. I do. I do. You know, you, you have the sun, and it's warm, and you don't have to wear heavy coats or boots. You can wear shorts, T-shirts, sandals. Now, I know that some of you have been doing this all winter long in another part of the country. God bless you if you can do that. But for those of us who are not so fortunate, we will just stay here, gut it out, and look forward to this warm weather that's coming. But you know, there's another reason that I love this time of year. Because this is the time of year when the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ really comes together. Some of the most important days on the Christian calendar occur in spring. we got a couple big ones coming up. In fact, today we celebrate one, right? It's Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. Wasn't it awesome to see the kids up here, right? Singing, waving their branches. Were my grandkids singing? Were they? Yeah, were they good? Good, good. I was kind of focused, but it's awesome to see that because that's exactly what was happening a little over 2,000 years ago when Jesus entered Jerusalem. It's referred to as the triumphal entry. Triumphal because Jesus was hailed as a conquering hero, right? The people, they laid their coats in these palm branches down in the road in front of him, and they cried out with the same words that the kids used this morning, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, hail to the conquering king, because they thought that he was there to free them from the Roman oppression, when actually he came to free them from the oppression of their sin. He came and became sin for us. And he gave his life as a ransom 
that we might have eternal life. And that is a victory for us. That is triumphal. That is our hope. And we are going to learn much, much more about that in the coming days and Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I encourage you to come back. Another commercial, right? Friday, 6.30, Sunday, 10 a.m. Join us. But today, today, what we're going to see is Jesus reminding us that our focus needs to be on that eternal life that he came to give his life for. See, far too often we get caught up in the things of this world. But Jesus is going to show us that our attention, our attention truly needs to be heavenward. We're continuing this morning in our series of messages, questions Jesus asked. And today's question is one that I know that we can all relate to. But before we get to that, I do want to ask you guys a question. Happens every week. You should be ready. Have you ever been anxious or worried? Anybody? Yeah, okay. So, for those of you who raised your hand, you're not alone. For those of you who didn't, remember, lying is a sin. (laughs) But see... Anxiety is the most common mental health disorder in the United States. It's estimated that some 40 million people suffer from anxiety. That's 20% of the population over the age of 18. But here's what I find really troubling, and that is that 7% of the population between the ages of 3 and 17, I mean, we're talking kids here, they suffer from anxiety. I thought childhood was supposed to be worry-free. Apparently it's not these days. And these disorders, they range from simple generalized anxiety disorder to panic attacks to even worse, some people develop phobias. Now, I know that we probably don't have panic attacks. Maybe we do. But I think it's safe to say that we have all experienced some kind of worry, some kind of anxiety at some point in our lives. I have, I have, absolutely. Struggled with anxiety when I was younger, struggled with anxiety throughout my life. I've had some really stressful jobs. And, and actually, ironically, I had anxiety this past week about this sermon. Isn't that weird, Right? I mean, here I'm experiencing anxiety about preparing a sermon on anxiety. But that's how we are. That's how we are. But you know, that isn't the most common source of anxiety. I can guarantee you that. You can Google it and you can find lists. And I found uh, a couple that agreed. So I'm going to give you what the most common sources of anxiety are. But I'm going to start at the bottom of the list and work my way up. And you'll see why in just a minute. Relationships. Some people are very anxious about their relationships. Some people worry about what other people think of them. Very common. Some people are anxious about crime. Other people are anxious about their health. 
People worry about their future. And then as we start getting towards the top of the list, we see a commonality. And tell me if you can identify it. Moving up, some of the things that worry people are the economy. Inflation. People are anxious about their job, either job security or getting enough hours. What does that really all kind of have in common there? Money, right? Yeah, money. People worry about money. And in the world we live in today, it's easy to get caught up in money worries. And Jesus taught about money. He taught about money quite often. And it's one of these teachings in which we find Jesus asking our question for this morning. And the question is, why do you worry? Now, he doesn't ask the question in so many words, as we'll discover as we read the text, but he asks a number of questions, the sum of which asks exactly that. Why do you worry? So our scripture for this morning is found in Luke chapter 12. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, that's where we're going to be. The story that we're going to look at is found in verses 22 through 31, but but we will be referencing some other verses within Luke chapter 12 to give us context. Okay, context is very important, especially today in this passage. But as we go back a little bit, if you remember last week, we were in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And we said that that really was pretty early on in Jesus' earthly ministry. However, even by then, he'd already healed many, right? He'd cast out many demons. So now as we roll forward six chapters later in Luke chapter 12, by now Jesus has healed many, many more. He's cast out more demons. He's calmed the storm. He's fed the 5,000. And his popularity has done nothing but groan. Last week we talked about the fact that crowds follow Jesus. Now they're even bigger. We see this described in verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, thousands gathered, trampling one another. And it's in this big crowd that Jesus begins to teach. And he begins teaching mainly about spiritual issues. He's teaching about spiritual issues. And then something really, really strange happens. He's interrupted. In the middle of this teaching on spiritual issues, this this, this man in the crowd, we see it in verse 13, he shouts out to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's like, where does that come from, right? But apparently this guy has got some financial dispute going on with his brother over an estate, and he interrupts Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Who made me judge over you? Now, it wasn't that Jesus was unconcerned about justice for this man, no. But he was going to take this opportunity to reveal a deeper problem. In verse 15, Jesus says, Watch out! Be on guard, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. 
So Jesus stops right there and finds this important enough to point out to this man that he doesn't have a legal problem. No, he's got a greed problem. Other translations say be on guard against all covetousness. And Jesus then goes on to teach that our lives do not consist of material things in the abundance of possessions, as he says. And he goes on to tell a really interesting story, a parable. You probably know it. But it's about a rich man. And this rich man is so successful that his barns won't even hold the crops that he has. Now, that's a good problem to have, right? We have some farmers. It's a good problem to have, right? So many crops, the barns won't hold them all. So what does this guy do? He decides to tear down his old barns, build new ones, bigger barns to store all his crops. And then he says to his soul, my soul, I have plenty. I can kick back. I can relax. As he says, eat, drink, and be merry. But what does God say to him? He says, you fool. Calls him a fool. And in verse 20, he says, this very night, your life, here's where I really prefer the English Standard Version, your soul will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Now in that moment, in that moment, all this man's plans are ruined. See, he made these plans, but there was one thing that he couldn't control. He couldn't control the day of his death. He couldn't add time to his life. And his soul was required of him. Now, if you were with us a few weeks ago, we learned something about our souls. Anybody remember? Our souls. Our souls are the only thing about us that is eternal, right? Our souls will live on forever in eternity somewhere. You know, these, 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 these crummy, decaying bodies, they're going to go away. Material things, can't take them with you, right? The only thing that is eternal is our soul. So all that stuff the rich man accumulated now belonged to somebody else. Because verse 21 says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. See, this rich man's focus, it was all on himself and only himself. If you look at the story very closely, what you'll notice is that it's all about him. He says, what shall I do? I know what I will do. I will do this, I will do that, and I will say to my soul, everything is about I, me, mine. There was nothing, nothing at all toward God. He wasn't rich toward God. Now, Jesus isn't saying that it's bad to be wealthy. He's not saying that at all. It's okay to have money. It's okay to be rich. But we should be rich toward God. 
And we're rich toward God when we give sacrificially to the least, the lost, and the broken, to those in need. We're rich toward God when we trust Him for everything we need. Not our bank accounts, we trust Him. We're rich toward God when we're generous and when we understand that life is not in, as Jesus says, the abundance of possessions. See, what it really boiled down to is this rich man lacked an awareness of eternity and he did not prepare for eternity. And this is something that we have to make sure that we do. And then when we get into verse 22, we see something really interesting because Jesus sort of changes his focus, right? He's, he's, he's teaching to the crowds about greed and, and all these things. And, and then he says, ooh, you know, I better talk to my disciples about this because they need to hear this. And then he says to them, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. So, therefore, therefore, there's that very important transition word, therefore. In other words, in light of what I have just taught about greed and about covetousness, don't Worry about material things. Now that probably would have landed a little bit better for the people of that day. See, back then they didn't have refrigerators filled with food, like we do. They didn't have closets filled with clothes, like we do. In fact, back then it was only the rich who had more than one or maybe two sets of clothes. And every meal had to be planned for and the food acquired almost daily. But Jesus says, do not worry. And you know, when he says, do not worry, this isn't a suggestion. He's not suggesting this. No, this is a command, albeit a loving command. This is in the imperative. He says, do not worry. So, I want you to think for a minute of why we should not worry, other than the fact that Jesus tells us not to worry. Why should we not worry? Well, if you remember from our study of Philippians, we said that worry steals our joy. Right? Worry steals our joy. We cannot live joy-filled lives if we're constantly worrying and anxious. But we also know that worry has detrimental effects on our health, right? There's study after study that shows that anxiety can affect blood pressure. Anxiety can contribute to heart disease. It can lower our immunity to other diseases. It can also have a negative effect on brain function, on our cognitive abilities. But friends, the most important reason that we should not Worry is because worry shows a lack of trust in God. Worry shows a lack of trust in God. It's the root 
It's the root. It's the root cause of both greed and the root cause of worry. They both stem from the failure to trust God. The connection's clear. Since life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions, Jesus tells us not to worry about material things. Actually, he says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. And then Jesus goes on to give some examples. Interesting ones, too. First one we see is in verse 24. He says, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Great question, right? Great question. So here's a question for you. Have you ever seen a starving bird? Seriously, have you ever seen a starving bird? I mean, a bird just starving because it can't find anything to eat. I haven't. And birds, they don't have refrigerated nests, right, with stockpiles of worms or whatever they eat, right? Yet God feeds them. He feeds them. He cares for them. He feeds them. But here's something that we absolutely must notice about birds. They work, right? I mean, birds are busy. Birds are busy. And there's another lesson there for us. They work, God provides. They work, God provides. And if he does that for the birds, can we trust the God who created us to provide for us? Amen? Because, because, listen to what he says in verse 25. Who of you, by worrying, could add a single hour to your life? Rich man needed to do that, right? He needed to add more than an hour, but he couldn't. But who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing... Why do you worry about the rest? And really, really what Jesus is asking here is, does worry help? Does it help to become anxious about your situation? Does it make it better? You know, I watched a a, a movie one time. I apologize, I don't remember the name of it. Probably should have looked it up, but I didn't. But it was Tom Hanks, and he was a lawyer for a Russian spy. And this Russian spy had been caught in the United States, based on a true story, I believe. And Tom Hanks was amazed by the fact that this Russian spy, he just didn't seem worried. And I remember Hank saying something like, you know, you're facing the possibility of life in prison. You're facing the possibility of a death sentence. And you don't seem worried. And I will never forget the response from this Russian spy. He shrugged his shoulders and said, would it help? 
Would it? Worry doesn't help. That's the point that Jesus is making there. In fact, it harms us. As we said earlier, it harms us physically. It harms us spiritually. But here's something that I really, really want to drive home. Because this is something that we all struggle with, friends. The other thing that's implied here when Jesus says, do not worry... Don't worry about things that may not happen. Don't worry about things that may not happen. We spend so much time and energy worrying about things that may not happen. The what ifs, right? The what ifs. What if the stock market crashes? What if the economy falls apart? What if there's another world war? What if my health fails? What if I lose my job? What if? Listen to what Mark Twain once wrote. He said, I have had many troubles in my life. Most of them I have never experienced. <laughs> Stop worrying about things that may not happen. God's got this. He's got this. Then he gives another example in verses 27 and 28. He says, consider how... The The wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? God takes care of the flowers. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. The flowers are here today, gone tomorrow. He takes care of them. But remember this. For the flowers, not every day is sun and warmth. Not every day is sun and warmth. Matter of fact, if every day was sun and warmth, I would be happy, but the flowers would die. The flowers would die. The flowers need those cloudy days. They need those days that are filled with rain. See, the sum of it is this, friends. If God went to the lengths he did to create you, life and body, and he did. He is the creator of the cosmos. He created us. And if life is more than food or clothes, what makes you think that he will not provide for your every need? Need. The problem is, friends, when we experience those cloudy days, we think God's forgotten us, right? Or we think he's not paying attention or he's asleep at the wheel or something. But when things go south and we start worrying and we're anxious, what we're saying is, God, you cannot be trusted with this situation. And again, again, Jesus points out that the root of worry is a lack of trust. The end of verse 28, he says, Oh, you of little what? Faith. There's that word again, faith. 
so reminiscent of the storm that the disciples found themselves in on the Sea of Galilee, right? The storm raged around them and they, and they woke up the God of creation to tell him that they were about to drown, him included. But Jesus calms the storm. And he asks them, do you still have no faith? Do you still not trust me? Do not worry. And Jesus goes on in the following verses to say, Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. So what, what is it that Jesus is talking about here? You know, Yeah, he says, do not worry, again, right? But what's he talking about? He's talking about our testimony. Our testimony. Because if we run around the world, right, worried and anxious, just like the rest of the world, what does that say about us? And what does that say about God? How then are we different from the pagans? I love the way Charles Spurgeon puts it. He writes this. You say again that you cannot help being anxious. Then, my dear friend, I must very solemnly ask you, what is the difference between you and the man of the world? What's our testimony? Friends, our God is the God of the cosmos. And He loves us. And He cares about us. And He will provide for us. And He says, do not worry. He commands us, do not worry. But you know, He doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't just say, stop worrying. No, he gives us something to replace that worry with. Verse 31, he says, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And friends, I want us to understand that he, Jesus isn't merely saying, you know, uh, well, first things first, although there is some truth to that. But I want us to know that God isn't just another priority to fit into our list. We all have lists of priorities, right? We all have them, whether we write them down or not. And I'm not sure what yours might look like. It might look something like uh, um, God, family, church, job. I don't know. But God is not meant to fit into our list of priorities. No, God should permeate every priority on our list. We seek his kingdom, as he says, in all that we do. We seek his kingdom by allowing the Holy Spirit to make us into the people that we were created to be. We seek his kingdom by being the best Husband, father, wife, sister, aunt, uncle, employee, teacher, deacon, elder, pastor, that we can be. We seek his kingdom by trusting him for everything that we need. 
our purpose in life, daily provision, creative inspiration, business ideas, relationships, everything. God permeates every aspect of our lives. But most importantly, friends, we trust Christ for our eternity. Talked about this at the very beginning. Because someday, someday, like the rich man in that parable, our souls will be demanded of us. And our souls are going to spend eternity somewhere. And if you place your trust in Christ, if you seek His kingdom above everything else, He says all these things are going to be given to you as well. Everything you need in this life and and the heavenly treasure of an eternity spent in the light and love of our Creator, God. Everybody here knows what it means to worry. It's a fact of life. Everyone knows what it means to be anxious. That's why Jesus had to teach his disciples. You know, if they didn't know what it meant to worry, why would Jesus tell them not to worry? Why would he point out the fact that worry doesn't help? And why would he tell them to look around and see that God cares for creation and he will care for them? And it is the same God, friends, who loves us and cares for us. He loves you. And he cares for you. And he wants to spend eternity with you. Is there something that has you worried today? Anxious? Listen to the words of Jesus. Do not worry. But replace that worry with his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. And rest in the knowledge that Jesus will provide for your every need. Today, tomorrow, and for all eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we, we praise you. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you care for us. And, and quite honestly, that you give us examples. You care for the birds. You care for the flowers. And we know that we are of so much more value than birds or flowers. Thank you, Lord, for the eternal life that we have through Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would all ask for the Holy Spirit to take over our lives and to to turn our focus heavenward and not worry. But seek your kingdom first. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.